The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change. In other words, reinvent yourself and your company. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the successful business leaders of today. Now, here is your host, Nancy Lynn. Hello and welcome to Business Reinvention. This is Nancy Lynn. We bring you thought-provoking ideas from a wide range of industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Well, one thing that many innovators have in common is that they ask the question of what if the impossible is possible before most of us can even imagine what the future looks like. And it's this kind of optimism, the ability to dream big and to take risks that make this country so great. And we're going to need a lot of that because we have a huge healthcare budget deficit and some radical change will be needed to fix the crisis. And amidst all the bad news, you may be surprised to hear that the growth rate for healthcare expenditure has actually been slowing down the last few years. Though still higher than inflation, national health expenditure grew by 4.3% in 2012, for example. But as we come out of the recession, the question is, will the spending growth rate remain low? And uh, will there be a day that we can even get to the point of negative growth and begin to reduce overall medical expenditure? Wouldn't that be great? But affordability is not the only problem we have. Access to healthcare is also an issue. And according to a study, three out of four people have difficulty getting doctor's appointments or receiving after-hour care without visiting an emergency room, which, as you know, usually costs far more than a regular visit to your own doctor. So what if, what if we could give consumers more choices as to when, where, and how they receive health care? When so many industries are already giving their customers the power to choose, will we see the same in healthcare? And would it have the same impact? Well, Express Foundation, which is known for its audacity and forward-looking or forward-thinking solutions, is again challenging the existing paradigm. And this year, the foundation launched a $10 million competition designed to incentivize innovators to create a device that could bring radical change to the way we manage our health and how the medical community serves us. Mark Winter, who is the Senior Director at XPRIZE Foundation, is here with us today to offer some insight about this competition and some information about innovation in the field. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hi, Nancy. How are you? It's great to have you here. Great. Great to be here. So many questions for you. It's definitely a very exciting challenge, and we want to know more about it. And I think before we get deep into the conversation, I want to make sure that we give our audience a clear picture of the innovation we're talking about here and um, how product you are looking for 
would be different from what's already available in the market, such as, say, Nike's Fuel Band. Um, and then there's also, of course, Apple iWatch that everybody is talking about, which is supposed to be in the market later this year. And uh, rumors um, is talking about how the product will help us understand or the watch will actually understand where you are what you have eaten, how many calories you burned, and how well you have slept. Well, when we talk about S-Rice um, and the product benefits that you expect to see, um, do you hope the winner of the, the challenge will deliver things that no one else has? And if so, what are you expecting? Well, absolutely. The um, the Tricorder Prize, and there's a companion uh, competition, uh, the Nokia Sensing X Challenge, are intended to really be game changers in the area of personalized mobile health technology. Um, some of the uh, characteristics of the market today are just what you described. There is a, a lot of different solutions uh, proliferating very quickly in the areas of personal health tools that will keep an eye on your weight, how many steps you take. And those are all very good technologies, and it's a logical progression. But the progression is leading into more significant health monitoring opportunities, health interpretation opportunities that go beyond physical fitness and exercise. And I think that, that what our competition is intending to do is to help the industry make that transition into a much more robust health management-oriented solution and also assure that there will be a wide range of sensors, different kinds of biosensors, area sensors, other types of sensing technology that can address the very diverse health needs of very large populations of people. So those are the two big goals of these two competitions, the Qualcomm Tricorder XPRIZE and the Nokia Sensing X Challenge. Okay, so let me see if I can clarify this. Um, I thought something that's really interesting about how you define the product challenge is that um, you actually address um, how to interpret the data. Um, and there's an article called um, Diabetics um, Paradox. And in the article, the journalists uh, were talking about how um, Self-monitoring is increasingly being recommended for all sorts of health conditions. As a physician, see self-management as a way to empower patients and, you know, enlist their self-interest as a positive force. But then surveys show that patients see self-management as a new responsibility and a lot of time a burden. And it elevated um, their level of anxiety and depression, surprisingly. Um, so in addition to emotional burden, there are issues with cell motivation and poor user experience. But the other challenge um, is that the consumers don't always know what to do with the data and how to decide whether or not um, you know whether or what to eat or whether to take an insulin injection. And it's just really way too complicated for a patient. And it sounds to me that you're looking for a device that will address that missing link about what to do with the data. Is that right? That's correct. I mean, a typical glucometer, and I'd like to tell a little story about glucometers because they're a great uh, uh, story to tell about the evolution of these sorts of personal medical devices or, put another way, devices that move from the clinical to the personal. But um, one of the things that is a unique feature of the, uh, the Qualcomm Tricorder XPRIZE is the robustness of the platform that the personal device will, will represent in terms of information display. It's likely, although not a requirement of the competition, that both iOS, that's Apple iPhone, and Android handheld devices will play an important role in this solution, which generally requires that the entire package is under a total of five pounds or less. But 
the unparalleled amount of computing horsepower and, and high-resolution information display and the ability for programmers to create rich informa- informatics and communication suggests that the tricorder will be a far more communicative device that can explain um, uh, the health conditions that are being monitored technically on much more humanistic terms in ways that ordinary people can understand and can take action on. And those are really critical requirements of the competition. In fact, fully 40% of the scoring on this device is focused on the human experience and the user interface and human factors issues because we recognized early in designing this competition how important those would be for a consumer-facing device, not a clinical device designed for nurses or doctors. Yeah, I think it's really great you're making consumer experience one of your key criteria uh, for winning the competition. And, and this may seem like a no-brainer because this, um, I mean, but, but it's not a case, I, I would say, in the development of medical solutions. Um, in most industries, uh, consumer experience can make or break a new product launch. Um, but what do you think are the reasons that consumer experience had not been a bigger focus um, for the healthcare industry before how did they get away with it for so long? <laughs> well, first of all, they simply have been making devices for consumers all that long. I mean, it's only a couple of decades ago that we started to see uh, ordinary consumer glucometers really enter the market in volume. You've got to remember that uh, diabetics, type 2 diabetics and type 1 diabetics, were confronted with the challenge of going into their doctor's office on a regular basis not so many years ago to get a full A1C workup, A1C blood test. And they could only do that periodically, and it was only reimbursed so many times. And the, the, the reality was is that I think that caused probably far more fear and concern and a sense of loss of control over one's personal health than what has emerged. What has emerged is from that v- very awkward model of managing a life-threatening disease. We've seen companies emerge with smaller and smaller glucometers, providing richer and richer information about blood sugar, sometimes doing multiple blood tests or multiple cycle tests to verify accuracy, and even be able to transmit that data uh, directly to uh, a server or an electronic medical record. There is a whole generation of wireless glucometers now, such as, uh, I mean, companies that uh, our sponsor, Qualcomm, has supported that are in the market today delivering not only a rich user experience, but a more accurate data uh, experience. And more importantly, it's not data, it's information. And it's coming across to, for example, personal health portals that will actually capture that data and display it, sometimes correlated with other aspects of the patient's life, their exercise patterns and their weight level, their BMI, many aspects of their physiology are being displayed together. This has the net effect of giving patients a far higher degree of confidence in knowing uh, what's going on in their bodies, what they're doing in their lifestyle in terms of diet and exercise that can improve their health and be able to see tangible results in terms of this information now that's being collected. So I think one of the big transition points here is uh, older level um, paradigms of medical devices were really about data collection. And you required physicians and nurses and other kinds of medical specialists to interpret that data and communicate to the patient. In this new paradigm, we've been able to now begin to package and collect and organize information in ways so that it's cogent to consumers. And that's the major inspiration behind the Qualcomm Tricorder. Mm, so I want to make sure I understand right. So it sounds like you're trying to build this 
uh, or try to close the loop, I should say. So starting from monitoring the data to diagnose certain condition and then giving consumers certain recommendations to actions they can take. And then after that, monitor the actions. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. In a sense, although this competition um, is absolutely about diagnostics, it's not diagnostics at the level that any clinician would think of it because what we do is we take that diagnostic information that the devices uh, discern about the different health conditions that are measured and the vital signs that are measured, and we bring it through what we call an abstraction layer. We take it to a level where it is now presentable to a consumer in both visual and graphic ways that can explain what's happening to them or what they should do in terms of care steps that they may take, whether it is immediately going to the ER because of a great urgency uh, in terms of potential risk or a lower level uh, potential risk because, in fact, uh, the information indicates that there is not the urgency of running to an acute care setting, but to, in fact, take other interventions, which may be contact their doctor or be able to even take care of some of the problems themselves. So there is a scaling of response that's possible in the user experience and user interface that's a major concept within the Tricorder Prize. Mm. And then actually it's one of your requirements that the device can diagnose um, up to 15 diseases. Is that correct? And, and how did you decide what to focus on or which diseases to focus on? That was a very interesting process, Nancy. First, we went to the public health data on prevalent disease conditions and looked at the, the wide range of diseases and sort of the priorities that existed in North America particularly because although eventually we believe this dice will have widespread implications for global health around the world, we are looking just at the North American space at the moment. And we took a sampling of those that not only were prevalent and important in the American health picture, but also were divergent enough and spread across a a wide range of different sensing technologies that we could really exercise the teams and have them show in sort of a virtuistic way what they could do with all these conditions, given they would require very different kinds of sensor technologies, different kinds of input technologies. In fact, very different kinds of algorithms that would interpret that data and come up with results. So one part of it was prevalent health conditions. Another part of it was what's the spread of things that would really show what the potential of the device is. So really quickly, can you just give a couple examples of what's on that list of 15 diseases? Absolutely. Um, they, they, there's actually two different sets uh, that you need to think about in terms of the conditions. There is a core set that is a requirement, and then there is an elective set of which they would need to basically select three, and then there's vital signs. And so, for example, in the core set, um, we'll have things like anemia, very common condition, type 2 diabetes that we've already discussed, atrial fibrillation, um, obviously a very important feature of heart health, stroke, a common and major problem. Um, and I'm not going to name them all because you can see these if you go to xprize.org and you look at the competitions and you'll see the document there. You can download all of them. But they're also common and important public health concerns like tuberculosis, which has been on the rise, common problems like pneumonia, and even things like ear infections. And then some also major health uh, concerns such as hepatitis, hepatitis A in this case. Wow. Um, we also... Um, ask for the developers of the device to confirm the absence of all those diseases as well as their presence. So we'll be measuring whether or not they can definitively and accurately over a series of trials detect these conditions, 
with actual patients that have these conditions and also verify that they're not present in other uh, test subjects that um, do not have the conditions. So we do not get false positives. Mm, excellent. And, um, All right. We have so much more to talk about, um, yeah. but we're going to continue the, dis- uh, okay. the discussion after a break. You are listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin, and I'm glad you can join us for the conversation today. Follow me on Twitter at BizReinvention or go to BizReinvention.com for more information about the show. We'll be back after these messages. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lind at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. All right, Mark. So before the break, you were giving us an overview of what the tri-quarter X price challenge is going to be about. Um, so now I want to understanding a, a little bit about how challenging it really is. Um, I suppose there are already a lot of technologies out there that the participants can tap into. What are some of the application or technologies that you foresee them leveraging? Well, one thing that's pretty exciting about this is that there is a remarkable convergence going on between clinical research, new scientific evidence about how we detect disease, and it's hardly a week that goes by when you don't see in the press and the media these new uh, kinds of solutions or methods for detecting the presence of a condition, along with incredible materials technologies that can actually address the sensing or monitoring aspects of this. And then finally, the computing horsepower and the wireless network that supports all this we understand quite well today, but it's continuing to expand in power. So all these three things are coming together to solve some remarkable problems. Let me give you an example of a few. 
One thing that uh, in the last year uh, evidence has shown is quite accurate and consistent is the ability to spot a stroke before it occurs by looking into the inner eye. Now, we've known for some time that eyes are an incredible expression of personal health, but now we're getting down to the details of, for example, how to spot the likelihood of a stroke days before it occurs, um, utilizing uh, retinopathy uh, uh, analysis, which is really looking into the inner eye. Now, in the past, clinicians have used scopes and were well-trained to look into the eye. But now we can utilize a device like a, like a mobile phone with a scope that's designed to look into the eye. I actually had this test done uh, personally uh, at FutureMed just a few weeks ago and get very accurate images of the inner eye, but more importantly, spot, for example, in this case for stroke, small emboli, small embolisms in the veins of the inner eye that have been shown through clinical evidence and study to be precursors of stroke. And I don't need to tell you how important this is. I mean, being able to spot the likelihood of a stroke days before it occurs is a life-changing and life-saving opportunity to get people into acute care before the event occurs and stabilize their conditions, even possibly avoid the stroke. So that's one example. Uh, another one that's quite exciting and is sort of the holy grail of sensing in many ways is the, is the bloodless glucometer. We talked about glucometers again. There are now uh, a variety of companies working on methods to now read blood sugar without the blood drop necessary by being able to use advanced photonics, different kinds of laser light. They can actually look into the subcutaneous skin level layer and be able to see, for example, a count and be able to reflect a count of glucose molecules in the skin and in the bloodstream. And that's one of several methods that are being currently investigated, uh, not only just for uh, reading blood sugar from a diabetic standpoint, but looking at many different kinds of disease states by looking at the molecular structure of what's going on in the bloodstream and in the cellular structure of the blood. Okay, so it's just kind of turn this around and being yeah. a devil's advocate. So it sounds like there are really a lot of technologies out there that can address some of your goals. So is it this really a very challenging um, uh, competition? I mean, is the biggest hurdle for them to integrate all this different technology that already exists? Or what do you think are the main hurdles that they have to overcome in order to come up with um, a device that meet your goals? Well, Nancy, that's exactly right. I mean, heretofore, as I said earlier, we've seen in the mobile health industry that's emerging and growing very rapidly, a lot of selective, specialized solutions that do one thing, uh, either very well or sometimes not well enough. But the bottom line is that they are not integrated solutions that allow a person to look at the entire integrity of their health picture. Instead, they provide selective slices. And when people ask me, what's the importance of a multifunction personal health device, one way to respond to that is to ask the question, how many consumers would buy four, five, or eight different kinds of devices, all with different interfaces and that probably don't interoperate or communicate, and be able to somehow pull it all together to understand what their health status is? I mean, that is just not a likely scenario. So a unified picture of one's health, taking a look at many different aspects of both disease conditions uh, and also attributes of, of things like the vital signs, blood pressure and blood oxygenation and so forth, are all critical to understanding ourselves in a more comprehensive way. And that is really the goal of the tricorder. 
Very good point. Um, and one of the ideas that is very central to this particular challenge is that with more options or consumer empowerment, there will be better healthcare system or healthcare. Um, is there any indication that health, uh, or sh- should I say consumer empowerment, can lead to cost reduction or improvement in healthcare? Well, without a doubt, um, I think that we are also experiencing another interesting piece of convergence is that, as everybody knows, starting in 2014, the uh, Affordable Care Act is showing up on the scene. Um, The Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act is the most profound change that has occurred in the American healthcare scene uh, probably for the last 200 years or more, I mean, as long as there has been a healthcare industry. And some of its key features and provisions that are quite extraordinary is, first of all, no longer allowing exclusions for pre-existing conditions and, uh, you know, a preventive care focus. Uh, and certainly the ability to pay for wellness, not for sickness, is a key feature of the focus that it's bringing. But all of this is wrapped around the idea that we can lower costs. And what that really means, how we really lower costs, as the healthcare industry has perceived it, is first of all, finding ways to avoid misusing the emergency room facility in most hospitals. It's been known for years that an unnecessary visit to the ER for a condition that does not warrant it and displaces, in fact, other patients who really need the ER is one of the largest cost drivers. The second is being able to stop secondary or tertiary admissions. Once a hospital admission has already occurred and the patient has been discharged, not being able to really keep an eye on their status and have them come back in again and again is a gigantic driver that potentially the tricorder can also address through its remote capabilities. And then finally, the ability, and this is crucial, the early warning system to be able to spot problems sooner and address them uh, before they become significant and costly uh, through surgical procedures and therapeutic procedures is one of the most important ways to really save money for the overall healthcare system and only generate much better outcomes for patients. Mm. So how big do you expect the mobile health device market to be and who do you think will be, I guess, the main decision maker for the purchase? Would that be the hospitals or the consumers themselves? Excellent question. Um, I think that one of the goals of our competition is also to create a very balanced, well-rounded ecosystem of interest uh, in this initiative. And that includes everything from government regulators, the Food and Drug Administration, and insurers, uh, and also large healthcare systems, right down through to doctors and nurses and other care providers, and of course, the consumer themselves. We fully expect that uh, this device will probably, and its various sensors, will be things that you can order online, along with apps and specific sensors on your platform, uh, the kind of thing that you may be going to Best Buy or some other major retailer for at some point in the future. But that by itself is not enough. It has to have the full support of the entire chain of healthcare services, going all the way up to the regulatory arm of the Food and Drug Administration. And we have been blessed with their uh, interest and support in this program. And uh, we've also found that there are very many important uh, uh, forces within the healthcare delivery side that see the opportunity and want to embrace it. So we're really trying to develop all of those interests. At the end of the day, this is really about a exchange between a doctor and their, their, their patient. And it's crucial that both parties really support the use of this technology. And we believe that we're really at an era, at a point in time when that's going to be possible. 
Mm, it's very interesting you talked about the ecosystem and the partners that you need um, for the success of this particular device. Um, so I'm really curious because, you know, the public perception is that there's often very strong resistance to change within the healthcare industry, yeah. um, which is probably one of the most conservative sectors, um, I would say. And some physicians um, already express um, or express some um, displeasure of consumers educating themselves with information from the internet because they fear that kind of gives uh, consumers the idea that they are capable of making self-care decisions. And I actually heard uh, doctors complain about this myself. So um, what are you proposing would actually take it even further, right? And so do doctors see this as a threat? Uh, I know you mentioned earlier, like, some of the people in the healthcare industry um, are uh, really interested in this um, initiative. But I'm, I'm curious, as, from the physician's perspective, how do they see this? Well, I can answer that in a couple of ways. Um, first of all, I know myself because I have many, many friends uh, who are healthcare providers um, and who are uh, are doctors who have been frustrated because many times um, a patient who, with the best of intentions, wants to understand more about their health condition, about their particular disease state, goes out on the internet and researches it and brings back you know reams of paper for a doctor to look at who probably has no time to look at it. Oftentimes, what you find uh, that is out on the web today is a very both divergent and inconsistent set of information, oftentimes contradictory, that frustrate the process of a real dialogue between doctor and patient and cause, in some cases, distrust by the patient uh, because the doctor, frankly, is seeing those inconsistencies and has problems with them. And sometimes you'll find patients that really latch on to a particular therapy or direction that may not be well suited for that patient, may not be personalized adequately, may not be evidence-based, and the physician has to say, you know, maybe we should think about this differently. I think that what makes uh, the tricorder a very different kind of solution the Qualcomm Tricorder uh, XPRIZE is intent on helping to build a stronger relationship between physician and patient and provide information to the physician that actually can help that physician practice more effectively and support that patient more effectively and maybe, most important, communicate more effectively and consistently. One of the common complaints that many patients have is, I never get a chance to see my doctor. And that problem is not easy to solve in that the ratio of doctors to patients is getting worse and worse. Many physicians carrying patient loads of 1,200, 1,500 to 1. It's, it's very challenging. But with these new communication tools and the ability to monitor the status of patients remotely and be able to communicate them when there is an adverse event or a significant issue, I think that physicians will be able to triage their time more successfully and focus on the patients in a timely way that need immediate focus and those that have perhaps less of a need because their health condition is better. So that's a very different model than uh, uh, patients simply going out and collecting a lot of information off the web and dragging it in for an office visit. And mm. given that many doctors have limited amounts of time in those office visits, the last thing you want to do is to be wading through piles of paper. The tricorder turns that on its head. It provides tangible evidence, actually real-time, during the ongoing course of a relationship between a physician, and it doesn't mean that it all has to be squeezed into a patient visit. Sounds like a win-win situation. Um, excellent. Well, we're going to continue this discussion after a short break. You're listening to Business We Mentioned with Nancy Lin. We'll be back after two minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So, Mark, before the break, we talk about the potential of this device to help reduce costs and also help both doctors and consumers to track their health um, um, awareness um, level. Um, but what about for, uh, I would say, for institutions or government agencies to try to track wellness level? Because that is a big part of the um, Affordable Health Care Act, right? So how does that play into that? Does that is that relevant at all? Well, it is. I mean, interestingly enough, we, we have been approached and have had some discussions with some agencies in the federal government regarding bioterrorism monitoring and also epidemic monitoring. You could imagine that if a large number of people in the U.S. population, let's say in a few years from now, uh, five years from now, are carrying these devices and they can detect uh, emergent health conditions uh, for example, that might indicate a bioterrorism attack, a chemical warfare attack, or potentially uh, are indi- indications of a forthcoming or emerging epidemic, uh, like some of the bird flus, that they could rapidly get a geoposition on where the outbreaks are occurring, what their relative severity is, even details about which patients by age range or demographic are acquiring the disease that could be tremendously helpful to the CDC and other agencies in containing the disease and closing it down. Um, and it, research has shown time and time again that the faster you can actually get a footprint around an epidemic outbreak and understand it demographically and by location, the quicker that it can be curtailed. So I think that this type of technology has a tremendous importance for national health, especially in these security areas. 
And then, of course, we're also talking about the Affordable Health Care Act. And one of the key things is that they want to try to try, excuse me, try to track, um, you know, the, the ability of each hospital to keep their um, patients um, healthy and well um, most of the time. So how are they going to do that? And does this device help them do that? Most definitely. Um, I, w- without a doubt, one of the most unique features is the big paradigm shift from sickness to wellness. I mean, it's it's an unfortunate fact that the way that historically we have compensated providers for uh, services is by paying every time there is a sickness and we remediate it in some way or we intervene with it in some way. Um, the goal of the Affordable Care Act is to shift gears and start to look at relative wellness of patients and how these systems provide preventative care services to keep people well and to compensate them accordingly. One interesting aspect of the act, though, is it does not prescribe how this could be done. It doesn't explain what methodology would be used so that healthcare systems could track the relative wellness of populations under their care. The uh, tricorder actually answers that question uh, by providing a technology that provides remote monitoring of key vitals and other kinds of disease conditions that a user may have and provides hard statistical data on their relative improvement or weakening in the face of different therapies and services provided by that by that care provider. So it is an extraordinary opportunity to fulfill the promise of the Affordable Care Act. Very exciting. Um, so, of course, it's all great that you can track so many data points, but inevitably you're going to have the question of patient privacy. Is this something that the participants of the competition would have to address? Absolutely. Um, the uh, HIPAA Act, the Healthcare Information Patient and Privacy Act, is a critical feature and is written into the guidelines and rules of the competition. That data that is transported from the handheld, and there is a requirement, the data collected from the handheld is transported to an electronic health record system, and likewise data is transmitted back to the device. That exchange of information has to be HIPAA compliant, and it will be tested for HIPAA compliance. Furthermore, um, we're also looking at implementing or requiring that the low-power data stream from the sensors that may be utilized from the individual also have data security and may be testing that as well. So the entire focus of this competition is to assure that the competitors are dealing with HIPAA, which is, of course, a federal law. But most importantly, we want to make sure that they'll be ready for commercial success post-competition, and it will be a requirement for this class of device to support HIPAA. So it makes every bit of sense in the world to make sure that there is HIPAA compliance. And, you know, under the competition rules and the testing protocols we've defined, we would need ourselves to make sure that they are compliant. Mm, that's great. So at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that this is a $10 million reward um, for uh, whoever, uh, for the winners. And, and I think you're going to have three different winners. Is that correct? That's right. There will be a, 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 a primary winner, which will be a $7 million award, and then a secondary, which is uh, $2 million, and then a, uh, a third, which is $1 million. Mm. So this is, of course, not the first time that XPRIZE Foundation has offered a huge um, reward for innovation. And I'm, I'm curious to how effective has that strategy been, and if it has been effective, why is that? I think one of the most amazing features of um, 
this and, and many other competitions. I mean, competitions to drive both technology and sociological change are not new. They've been around for hundreds of years, and some of the most important innovations and developments um, in, in our civilization have uh, grown out of competitions, including, you know, sterile food containment during Napoleon's time. Uh, of course, the, the, the longitude of the, the prize to basically support navigational systems was a competition. And in fact, uh, Lindbergh's crossing the Atlantic was a competition as well. All of these different, um, and there are many others, these competitions have one common characteristic that's quite extraordinary. A prize purse was put up by a visionary who wanted to create change in the world, which is oftentimes a tiny fraction of the total investment that all the different competitors or teams made. And here at the XPRIZE, we oftentimes think of a 10 to 1 or even 15 to 1 return between what is being put up as a prize competition, in this case $10 million, and the total capital investment to actually develop solutions, um, and which we think could easily exceed $100 million in this case. So it's an extraordinary opportunity to create a pooling of capital and intellectual property and, and talent, tremendous design and engineering talent, uh, to pursue uh, this competition for goals that are really more than monetary. They have to do with really changing the world for the better. And in a way, the $10 million prize is just emblematic or symbolic. It's not the center of this universe. The real uh, common thread among these teams is to make the world a better place. And we, as the XPRIZE Foundation, seem to be extremely capable of bringing that kind of talent and those sorts of extraordinary sponsors to bear. The Qualcomm Foundation uh, put up the uh, prize purse uh, with absolutely no interest in the technology or the intellectual property of these teams. It's entirely focused on having to move the dial in the mobile health space and create a, a marketplace, an industry that can grow and it is growing. And similarly, Nokia Corporation in the sensing challenge saw an opportunity to stimulate and propagate many different types of new biosensors based on many different kinds of new technologies and, and also new evidence coming out of the scientific community uh, with no interest in the actual technology itself. Those are extraordinary companies and we need to be, we are all grateful for their contributions in making these prizes possible. Well, all your challenges are very audacious, including this one. Um, so when it comes to innovation, there's always this question of how to be early but not way too early. So at Price Foundation, I'm curious, how do you go about assessing which goal is the right one to focus on at the moment when there are so many ideas to tackle? Well, we just had an amazing event called Visioneering, which actually attempts to do exactly that. It brings together extraordinary people, leaders in business, science, and industry um, together to think about what the grand challenges should be and to actually get involved in the prize design and thinking about, with their vast experience and knowledge of the world, what are the world's great challenges? And the foundation certainly sets those down. And I think you can go to visioneering.org and actually look learn more about that event. It's, it's an extraordinary experience for the participants and, and brings tremendous ideas out. We have internally an extraordinary team of people, prize designers, who have expertise in not only researching grand challenges, but also evaluating the opportunity to make quantum leaps forward that would have a gigantic humanistic benefit for people and also could stimulate 
whole marketplaces to emerge where the commercial market itself, for whatever reason, isn't moving yet. That's oftentimes one of the key criteria for a prize is that for whatever reason, either investment or market opportunity has not actually opened an opportunity to create a great advancement, even though the technology, the resources, the talent is there. And that's what the XPRIZE Foundation is really about, is facilitating that and making these great leaps forward. So um, we have an internal process for vetting these ideas and looking at them from those criteria, from that standpoint, what what can make a great change occur and that is not being motivated currently today or moved today by the commercial or investment marketplace. Okay, we have about a minute um, before the break, and I'm really curious with huge, you know, talent, um, huge challenge, um, reward. Um, what kind of talent are you attracting? I mean, what are the contestants like that you've seen so far? Because you are open for application right now, right? So, are they startup companies, academia, or what kind of talent are you attracting? The answer is yes. In fact, um, <laughs> it's an amazing range of, of of people that have been attracted to the competition. Um, everything from a, a boy who, at age of 15, revolutionized pancreatic cancer tests. Wow. Uh, uh, his name is Jack Andraka. He's just an extraordinary scientist um, and won a, a, a national prize sponsored by Intel for his innovation and basically took a pancreatic cancer test from an eight, I think it's an $800 test that was quite inaccurate to a device using carbon nanotubes that costs about three cents and has, I think, better than a 90% accuracy. Um, that's the kind of extraordinary individual that is in this competition, and he's not alone. We also have entrepreneurial teams that come out of Silicon Valley, in fact, many different uh, new technology centers around the United States. We have teams from around the world. Currently, we have 285 teams uh, from around the world uh, in 35 countries that are currently pre-registered to compete for this prize. We're also seeing commercial companies that actually are already venture capital funded and are pursuing the prize and expanding their technologies to actually address the needs of the competition. And even larger organizations and companies with extraordinary resources that can come in. I think that the thing that we've learned, though, is that people of all uh, types and all experiences and all different capital levels can compete effectively. And we've had extraordinary experiences with teams coming from left field out of the blue that um, maybe didn't have any industry experience and came up with remarkable solutions and became finalists. So the possibility for inclusion of many different types of teams and from people of many different walks of life with many different kinds of skills and still be able to possibly win this competition is truly likely. And we have lots of evidence of that from previous competitions. Well, it looks like it's going to be an incredible competition and amazing opportunity to make a difference in the world. I think so. And I'm, I'm honored to be involved with it and to help to shepherd it uh, toward its conclusion. Uh, that's, it's, a, it's a great privilege to be working on this. Well, let's talk about this some more after a break. You are listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Follow me on Twitter at Business Reinvention. We'll be back after these messages. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, I mean... Discussing personalized mobile solution with Mark Winter, Senior Director of XPRIZE Foundation. Um, so it's been really exciting to hear about um, how you're designing the challenge and the, the contestants you have, the potential possibilities out there. So kind of summarize everything for us. Um, how would this change the future of medicine and what are the implications for pharmaceutical industry, the consumers, and the doctors? Well, one of the the great promises of mobile health in general is the personalization of of medicine, and that comes from the personalization of information being collected on an individual, and that's what the Tricorder Prize is really all about. The promise is that both physicians and also systems like the pharmaceutical uh, industry can begin to create more specific and more effective compounds and ultimately more specific therapies for individuals based on the fact that physicians can monitor in greater detail on an ongoing, continuous basis how people respond to treatment. Um, That's harder to do when you're going in and out of a hospital or going in and out of a clinic or a doctor's office. And because you have a personal wireless device connected to the cloud with all of the sensing capability, it is uh, an extraordinary opportunity to really monitor closely over time how a therapy is working for a patient and be able to fine-tune that. And I think that that will lead ultimately to the pharmaceutical industry, uh, if we're dealing with drug therapies in particular, creating more and more specific kinds of drugs ultimately to the personal level to the degree that we may be looking literally at a person's genome, their genomic profile, and being able to compound drugs 
specifically for them and then utilize devices like the tricorder uh, in order to actually monitor their effect on that patient. And it's kind of interesting to note that we actually have a companion or related prize, related in this context anyway, which is the Archon uh, Genomics Prize presented by Express Scripts. Uh, which actually looks to map the human genome uh, and be able to understand at a great deal of fidelity uh, how, for example, people living past 100 do so, uh, what unique properties and characteristics they have physiologically that allows them to do this in a healthy state. But the uh, I think that's one of the great opportunities, and this is part of a logical step toward greater and greater specificity of care, more and more personalization of medicine. Mm, very exciting. And um, I think because of that, um, there are also a growing number of startups really working on different types of breakthrough digital or um, mobile healthcare solutions. Um, but I am under this impression, and tell me if I'm wrong, that few have made a big dent yet um, in terms of you know reinventing the healthcare system. What do you think about that statement? And if if you agree with that, what do you think is a missing link? What what more would you like to see in terms of future medical um, solutions? Well, I think that a lot of it has to do with the sociology and relationships that form within the healthcare industry itself. I, I don't think that it's easy to introduce new devices out of the blue, for example, from Silicon Valley, which is where I have spent most of my professional life, um, without uh, the warm embrace of the healthcare industry. And, you know, if I had a dollar for every technology that tried to enter a market where the market was not sensitized to it, I would be very wealthy because it is a problem uh, to try to bring especially healthcare technologies into a space without the support and the fertile environment for those technologies to flourish, whether with a patient or with clinical staff. So I think that one of the things that we're trying to do, as I mentioned before, is to create a ecosystem of support around this particular area of technology so that everything from government regulation all the way through to the patient themselves and, of course, providers and insurers in between can understand this technology, understand its relevance and importance to the field and how it's changing. And ultimately, what I believe strongly is that all layers in this ecosystem believe in one major concept, which is how do we improve eco, uh, how do we improve, excuse me, outcomes and ecosystems for that matter, but outcomes for patients. Um, that's a common theme, and I think that the uh, Qualcomm tricorder uh, is ultimately a key part of how do we monitor and improve outcomes for patients. So that is, I think, what is the missing link to your question. How do we get the entire industry to move? It means better communication and coordination that we've seen before with other product introductions along these lines. Uh, great insight. So it sounds like we're not lacking new technologies, but um, maybe need better alliance and consensus building uh, within the industry and the, the different partners. That's exactly right. And I think one of the unique places that the XPRIZE Foundation stands in is uh, almost as a neutral party without a commercial interest, per se, in any of this. I mean, we're facilitating a competition, but we have and hold no interest in the actual technology or the, the market's success. We have a goal to ensure market success. But because we occupy that unique and neutral position in the industry, I think we have a greater opportunity to build relationships and bridges between those layers in the ecosystem and help to make them more ready for adoption and ultimately the success of our competitors. Well, lastly, I guess everybody wants to know how you're going to pick the winner. Ah, 
Well, it's an interesting uh, blending of percentages. I mean, we, I'll give you this sort of high-level view. Um, first, we look at the actual uh, performance of these actual diagnostics, what we call health assessments performance, which is weighted at about 45%. Now, we're talking about the Qualcomm Tricorder XPRIZE particularly. And we are not only looking at the 15 different conditions, the, thir- the, the, the 13, rather the 12 plus the, uh, the three that are elective, but also the success of continuous monitoring of vital signs. So that's about 45% of the weight of the, of the judging process in the qualifying round. The second is equally important, as I mentioned, is the human factors and use case. What's the user experience like? How good is the user interface and how understandable is it for people? You know, is it something that uh, an older person with more limited uh, faculties for eyesight or hearing could use successfully as, as a young adult? Um, how appealing is it and how interesting is it to use? Is this something that people will really pick up and work with? That's a major factor in the uh, considerations for winning this prize. Um, and there's also a very specific series of pass-fail tests for measuring and logging of vital signs uh, as well. So you've got you know a, a series of different um, uh, balance criteria that the judges will be utilizing when evaluating these devices. And largely, you could organize into two main areas. How effective is it at accurately determining or detecting the disease or health condition, including vitals? And also, secondly, how appealing and useful is the information and accessible is the information? And perhaps most importantly, how actionable is it for consumers? Those are the two big strategies for how we're going to judge this competition. Well, it sounds great. And I wanted to thank you for leading the way to help us think about healthcare in the brand new way and want to wish you best of luck with the challenge. Thank you very much. Your questions were wonderful and uh, we really appreciate the time to, to talk about these two competitions. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and for the audience, thank you for tuning in. Please join me again next week for another great discussion about business innovation. In the meantime, let's stay in touch on Twitter at BizReInvention. You can also find information about the show on BizReInvention.com. Thank you and take care and talk to you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll find the inspiration for change over the coming week. 